Verse 21. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 18. And we're going to begin with verse 28. And then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the Praetorium, and it was early, and they themselves did not enter into the Praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If this man were not an evil doer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews said to him, We are not permitted to put anyone to death to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yamen,呃,接,接去那时天还早,他们自己却不进雅门,恐怕,呃,染了污辱,污秽,不能吃约接的宴席,比拉多就出来到他们那里,说你们告这人是,呃,这人是为什么是呢?他们回答说,这人
So they cried out again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Keep reading of chapter 19. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, put a purple robe on him, and began to come to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps in the face. Pilate came again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. And skip to verse 10. So Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it was given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Verse 14. Now it was a day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. So they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Uh, and then finally, verse 19, Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross, which is written, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. I know it's a lot of verses, but let's also turn to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 1 and 2. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent in one purpose. 
劝勉，爱心有什么安慰，圣灵有什么交通，心中有什么悲慈怜悯，你们就要意念思念想通。我爱心相通，有一样的心思，有一样的意念，是我使我的喜乐可以满足。凡是呃 ，OK。And verse 12. <coughs> so then, beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. 这样看来，我亲爱的弟兄，你们既是常顺服的，不但我在你们那里，就是我如今不在你们那里，更是顺服的，就当。恐惧战惊，做成你们的旧的功夫，因为你们立志行事，都是神在你们心里运行，为要成就他的美意。Let's commit this time to the Lord. 我们将这段时间交在主手里。Father, we thank you for the privilege of worshiping at, at this table you gave to us this morning. 父啊，我们感谢你，我们今天有能机会在桌子面前能敬念你。And we thank you for being able to open up your word together now. And Lord, as we consider this event in history, we see this picture of our King. And Lord, it's on our heart that we could、uh, live in this kingdom of our King now every day. So as we consider this,、um, as we consider your word, we pray that you would open it up, open up your word to us by your Holy Spirit. When we look at your word, we pray that you would open it up, open up your word to us. And may we respond to our King. So that we may respond to our King. So that we may respond to our King. And His wonderful ways. We trust in you for your. A work in this hour by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus Christ. Well, it's a long passage to share, but as you can,、uh, what's what's on my heart to share with you today is this event, this scene that we see where Jesus appeared before Pontius Pilate. So, I today, uh, although it's 蛮长的一篇，但是我是希望能够分享我们的主在比拉多面前的事。So as we saw, if we go back to chapter 18 in John, we see that the high priest had brought Jesus in before before Pilate. 约翰十五十八章你就看到说大祭司就把我们嘴叔带到比拉多面前。And for a couple reasons, they say they they don't they're not allowed to kill Jesus, so they they want him to do to do it. And so in verse 33, we find Pilate turns his attention to Jesus. So when Pilate turns his attention to Jesus, and the first thing he says to him, "Are you the King of the Jews?" He the first question is, "Are you the King of the Jews?" So right away, he brings up this question. So right away, he brings up this. King issue. So, 一开始你就看到就是提到王的这件事情 Are you the king of the Jews? 这你是犹太人的王吗 Now, there are a couple reasons he maybe has this focus. One is because he's the ruler, a politician. 第一，他呃，他是一个政治家 Actually, notice the priests don't mention this king of Jews phrase. 所以这个犹太人的王，这个祭司们他们没有提到 
The other might be because among the rulers, they remember 30 years before when there were some wise men who came and said they were looking for the king of the Jews. So, Remember, Herod was so angry and so concerned, he slaughtered the babies in Bethlehem. So, from their point of view, they're worried about where is this king of the Jews who might lead a rebellion? But to really appreciate this contrast between our king and this rule, this kingdom of, of Roman Empire, we have to look at Pilate a little more. So I have some information from the, you know, the scholars who study these things. So listen carefully to what Pilate is really like. And think of him as representing the kingdom of Rome. He was the Roman procurator. He's the ruler of that Judea, that whole area of Rome. His headquarters was in Caesarea, which is on the shoreline. And he frequently went up to Jerusalem. And he reigned during that time, all the way from John the Baptist to when Jesus was killed. And these writers say he was a typical Roman of the imperial period, meaning he really loved the Roman heritage and law. Uh, but he also uh, but he also was pleasure loving and domineering in his, in his way with people and very corrupt he hated these Jews that he had to rule over and in times of irritation, he would shed their blood. That's why there were many crucifixions. And quite a few were because of what his, he had done. In return for this, the Jews tried to treat him cordially because he was their ruler. But they also accused him of every crime and, and cruelty and robbery. Pilate visited Jerusalem as seldom as possible. Because if you're a Roman ruler, you'd rather stay in Rome. Because in Rome they have theaters for, for plays and they have bathhouses for bad things. They have games and high society. It's all part of the Roman leadership. He didn't like to go to Jerusalem because it's all these religious Jews are there. 
there's always that, that threat of revolt because a lot of those Jews are very angry and they want to rise up and but Pilate had to visit that was his job and when he did visit, he stayed at the very biggest palace, which is the one that Herod the Great had built. Now, what was his authority? What was his power that he had? Well, he was in charge of a large army. He had thousands of troops based in Caesarea that he could, he could bring and assign. So very true to the Roman Empire, his authority was by force. Now interesting, the procurator also had final say on life and death. So in cases like this, the Sandridan even though they decided someone should die, they had to come to him and get permission. He could overrule them. And of course, he could have people killed if he just, whatever he wanted. So you can see how thorough his power was. And also, one more note, and this is really unusual. Pilate also appointed the high priests and he controlled the temple, the Jewish temple, and their funds. See what kind of control they had over the Jewish people. The very clothes that the high priest wear during the main ceremonies, he kept in his custody. So only if he was there to supervise and he brought extra army, then he could let them do their ceremony, let them do their so we see Pilate is very powerful. He is truly in control from a human perspective. He's a corrupt, powerful Roman ruler. And he, very, he represents to us this kingdom, an example of a kingdom of this world. And so this is who Jesus is talking before, or is, is presented to. So we can go back to the scene. So in, in verse 33, we find Pilate entered them, and he summoned Jesus and says, Are you the king of the Jews? So now we can picture and I have a pilot's life. He's looking for potential problems. He's worried about rebellion. He hates these Jews, so this is a big nuisance for him. 
And here is Jesus without any army standing before him. And Jesus, how does he answer? He answers in a way that he does often when in his life. He answers a question with a question. It's very daring when you consider who Pilate was. He says, are you saying this to me on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? Pilate could have said, answer yes or no. But and Jesus turned around and asked him a question. And we'll come back to that question later. But then Pilate said, well, am I a Jew? I'm, I'm not a Jew. Your own nation and chief priest delivered. Notice he speaks to them as a nation. I'm in charge of the Roman kingdom. And here's this little Jewish kingdom and I'm in charge of you. But then Jesus says these beautiful words in verse 36. Well, first of all, verse 35, Pilate asked him a question, what have you done? And once again, Jesus doesn't quite answer the question. And now he answers the first question. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would be not handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. So we hear we see here Jesus saying, There is a kingdom, it's completely different. If I had that kind of kingdom, my followers would be fighting with gun or with swords and knives. But this kingdom is different. And we know this kingdom is from above. So verse 37, Pilate says, So you are a king. Now, who knows what Pilate's really thinking? But Jesus admitted he was a king. But his kingdom is different. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am king, for I have been born for this, and for this I came to the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And so Jesus is explaining more about his role. And then sadly, Pilate answers him and says, Well, what is truth? And he goes back to the leaders of Jesus and says, I don't find any guilt in this man. Right? And he gives him a choice. Do you want Jesus or do you want this? 
So let's take some moments now and think about this kingdom that Pilate represents. What are the characteristics of human kingdoms? And then we can compare with our Lord's kingdom. So let's think about Pilate. I described what he was like. The first thing we want to say is, is kingdoms are not are not all bad. In fact, there's a lot of good, good and bad mixed together. One of the most important good things that a kingdom does is to have laws to deal with the problem of sin and evil. As we know throughout history and even now in certain places, if there's no law at all, then because of human sin, people just destroy one another. So all kingdoms, if they're at all good, they have to have laws and allow some form of justice. And notice this man Barabbas actually should have been punished. Now we think of the Roman Empire, we're also reminded that kingdoms can also have high aspirations and very great achievements. So they can have high principles and goals that people can get behind and follow. And for Romans, for the Roman Empire, you think of their laws and you think of their roads and many things they achieved. So that's also true of kingdoms. But notice that these kingdoms, if we look at Roman Empire, we see that it's held together by force. Roman Empire was built and held together by power of an army. And then if we look at that, that the way you control people then is through fear and intimidation. You manipulate, you control people by the power of your army. So that's how the kingdom grows and stays strong. And then from a personal side, if you're on the other side, the control is, it has you in fear. You're intimidated and you're fearful. You don't want to get killed or, or hurt. That's the way human kingdoms work. Now, about the problem of sin. Earthly kingdoms, as we said before, they have to deal with sin. 
So you have laws to try to protect people from from sin. So you have laws to try to protect people from sin. So you have laws so another characteristic of all human kingdoms is corruption. A lot of times that sin is hidden. So you have a good front, but then hidden underneath is hypocrisy, there's sin flourishing. Double standards. But then sometimes the evil is just totally out in the open as rulers rule in a cruel and evil way. So when when Pilate does something arbitrary and has someone killed, it's obvious that's an evil thing. Now, as I speak of the Roman Empire, this we're also talking about all kingdoms, really all governments. So many of us here in the United States, we have probably one of the best kingdoms, nations on earth. And we have some of the best laws on earth. And then recently we've had scandal after scandal because sinful men, even if the laws are good, are still going to execute them with selfishness and will do evil. Uh, so you get it, the best that earth, a uh, human kingdom can do is try to contain sin and keep it in a compartment, but it's still going to flourish there in different ways. Another thing we see in king, the kingdom of this earth is that all the influences from the outside in. In other words, you scare people or you push them with force, and that's why they do things. And another thing you see in earthly kingdoms is there's really, although there may be temporary periods of peace and comfort, very often there's no peace. Because the rulers can change things anytime. And there's even no peace for the rulers. Let's look at one verse in chapter 19. Verse 8. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. This is after the, the Jews said that Jesus said he was the Son of God. Now, after everything we've said about Pilate, 
He's in total control. He has the army at his, at his beck and call. He has this man, Jesus, who actually has now been scourged, so is physically weak and all alone. What is he afraid of? Why is he afraid? Instead, he's even more afraid. Well, we don't know why. But he's afraid of rebellion. He's afraid of disappointing his higher rulers in Rome. And maybe he's a little afraid of this man Jesus. Remember in Matthew 27, Pilate's wife had this horrible dream and sent him a note and said, Don't have anything to do with him. So maybe Pilate has enough superstition and, and that he's thinking, well, maybe this man, you know, maybe Jesus has something to do with God. But my point here is, his, he's full of fear, even though he's in that position of power. And that's true of all governments and leaders. There is no real peace. So let's consider what this kingdom is like and how it affects us. This, what we see in the Roman Empire, is the way kingdoms work on earth. And it reflects the way we are. It reflects fallen mankind. Now I want to say that what we just talked about is also true of all governments. And it's also true of business. And it's even true of schools. In all those, you have to have rules to control evil. And in all those situations, you have, you have uh, corruption because of human sin. But here's the important part I want us to focus on. This is what's going on all around us. It's the way of the world. We are pressured to be that way. It is natural for us to do things the same way. We're to gain power so we can have control over others. And if power is not political, it's through money. We gain enough money, then we can have influence on many people. Or social. So here's the picture. Just as Pilate controls things with his army, this way of human kingdoms is to manipulate and control others. 
That's what we're taught we're supposed to do. Right? Both for our survival and for our success. Now I'm not saying this is all bad. If I'm a salesman, I need to convince people. But I want us this morning to focus on how this influences our own hearts and our relationships. What about our relationships inside our families that we talked about last week? And our relationships with friends. First of all, regarding sin. Earthly kingdoms, sin is tolerated. You just have to try to keep it controlled. So if you keep sin under covers or keep it small sin, it's okay. And a certain amount of hypocrisy is okay. Do we learn that? And do, is that our attitude? Do we have that attitude about our own sin? That's a mark of the earthly kingdom. And our relationship with others is it based on power. Are we trying to influence others through force? Now, last week our brothers spoke about our marriage relationships. And we don't have time for that to go into detail, but we see in that picture in the Garden of Eden this, this beautiful picture of a husband and wife. And in Ephesians 5, we see how the husband is to love and the wife is to respect and submit. We see this amazing picture of two parties giving to one another under God's direction. But now look at relationships in this world. If we get away from that relationship as God wanted, it's all about manipulation. Throughout history, men use physical force against women. And we know that's evil in the sight of God. But men use force to influence their partner. And that shows itself in the extreme sin of any kind of physical abuse. That is operating by power. That is manipulating by force. And now you will, women in the room say, well, we're always victims. No. <laughs> From the very beginning in junior high and high school, when a woman figures out that if she's attractive, the boys around them go crazy brain. So, 
只要男, women control men probably more than, they, than men control women. You're just a lot smarter about it. 就, 可是你, a lot more subtle. 就是比较这个, if you do this for me, then you'll get what you want. If you contrast it to the picture in the Garden of Eden, two parties giving, you realize when things fall away from that, both parties are manipulating, trying to change the others by, by force or by whatever. So we want to see that this way of, of kingdoms of this earth is so pervasive that it can influence the way we even relate to one another. And also it can the question is as we gather together, is the way we are together as brothers and sisters the way of this earthly kingdom? Now, I I'm sorry to spend so much time on the negative, but I felt we wanted to, to really consider it seriously. And you might say, well, this, that's just the way it is. That's the way it is. But of course, thank God, we have an alternative. In the world, we do the best we can. We try to keep things as as best we can or improve them. But as we've been hearing the last number of weeks, there really is only one alternative. And that is that this kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, is completely different. It's a radically different exception. So when he says, my kingdom is not of this world, it's a huge difference. We know that it's a heavenly kingdom. And as John the Baptist said when he talked about Jesus, he said, look, his, he, he is from above. It's a kingdom not of this derived from below. And we've been speaking these last number of weeks, what is the kingdom? It's, it's, uh, we've already gone over that many times. But the real kingdom is Christ the King and those related to him. And our theme verse that the kingdom of God is in is in the midst of you. We know that's the real kingdom. In fact, and and uh, a couple of weeks ago our brother shared about how the Lord in his kingdom is looking for and bringing about other sons of the kingdom. 
In this kingdom, Christ is the center and the source of everything. It's all about, everything is about our individual relationship to our King. Notice what Jesus had said at the end of verse 37. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And that reminds us of the Lord talking about himself as a shepherd and how his sheep hear him and understand him. And he knows us by name and individually. And that is the kingdom. Us in relation to our king. If we look at verse 34, at Jesus' response to Pilate, it was puzzling. But he said back to Pilate, Are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about it? I suggest to you that Pilate said this as if to say, Pilate, are you considering me as possibly being the real king? Now, we know it didn't happen. But Jesus was always giving opportunity to people to be related to him and draw closer to him. So, Pilate, if you're really interested in me, I'll tell you more. Anyway, that reminds us of the king, the real kingdom is about our individual relationship with him. And we know that in that verse where he says kingdom of God is in your midst, it also it also means that he's among us. And Jesus had explained in John 14 through 16 how the Holy Spirit was given so that once we receive Christ, his life comes in us. So let's take a few more minutes then and consider his kingdom in comparison to this earthly kingdom. And let's do let it first of all, Christ is the source and the center of everything. In the case of the kingdom of Christ, the problem of sin is solved. Because he's offered salvation. He offered a full payment and gave us forgiveness. And then he actually gave us his righteousness and his indwelling spirit. So, in earthly kingdoms, evil is contained, you try to control it, but only in the kingdom of Christ is evil and sin actually solved and removed. And all inspiration 
and principles, higher things, all come from the words and example of Christ. So, in fact, throughout 2,000 years, most of what we consider a higher culture came from the influence of Christ. And the force in the earthly kingdoms is the power of the army. In his kingdom, it's agape love. And then it's the power of God doing things. In the earthly kingdom, you're held together by force and then by fear. Now, with Christ's kingdom, it's held together by our love and submission to our king. So even that is his work, because as we look to him, we're held together. And then how do we influence others in the kingdom of Christ? Once again, it's the example and the words Christ. That's how others are changed because they're changed by Christ. It's Christ who works change in, in the other person. So, real change in Christ's kingdom comes from the inside out. Instead of manipulating outside in, it comes from the inside. And in this kingdom, he gives us joy and real peace. And purpose for living. And the king is in control. And we have a rest and a peace because he's in charge. Just if we trust in him. We don't have time, but in chapter 19 you see such an amazing picture that Jesus, even though he's scourged and near death already, still is in charge. When he tells Pilate, you don't have the authority to kill me unless it was given you by God. There's our king about to die. There's Pilate with all the earthly power. And Jesus is saying, you don't have that power with me unless God gave it to you. In fact, he says to him, the sin of those Jewish leaders is greater than yours. It's almost as if Christ is, is absolving him. And actually, just to look at that, when, that's in verse 11 chapter 19. Right after it says, Verse 12, as a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. 
It's almost like Pilate tried to try to release him again. The point is, Christ, our King, was in charge even as he went to the cross. So the way of his kingdom is so different. Everything's out different. His way is of love and grace and his God's power. So in this kingdom, when we come together as brothers and sisters, thank God we come together with the sin problem solved. Of course, that doesn't mean we're sinless. We are sinners saved by grace. But hallelujah, with Christ in us, we are able to obey. And we don't tolerate sin. None of us feels good about being a hypocrite. We say, oh, I look good here in the Sunday mornings, but I have my own private sin. It's okay as long as it's contained. Not in his kingdom. Because in his kingdom, everything's pure. And he's made us pure in him. That should be seen in our midst. As we come together as brothers and sisters. And how do we influence each other? Are we trying to persuade each other with force? Well, in his kingdom, what changes people? Only Christ. So, once again, what we're doing with others, if we show others the example of Christ and Christ's words, then they're drawn to Christ and He does the work. We don't change each other by force and from the outside in. We think of the Lord speaking of the lady at the well where he talked about rivers of life flowing out from the inside. In his kingdom, that's how we uh, influence others. And that love should be seen, that that Influence should be seen in all our relationships. As we mentioned, the relationship and husbands and wives, they should be mutually giving. And if we find ourselves, we look at our relationships and we look at what we say, are we manipulating others in the way of of the world? Or are we leading by example? And giving. Last week our brother mentioned the passage in James where it talks about how powerful our words are. 
Now in extreme case we manipulate by physical force. But for almost everyone here, most of the manipulation and control and most of the hurt comes with our words. So each of us could go to our king and say, Are my words true to what you want? Am I using my words to try to manipulate someone? Or do my words reflect giving of Christ's life? Doing what Christ asked me to do. As we want to live for our king. So as we contrast this the Pilate's kingdom with the Lord's kingdom, I hope worship comes up in our heart for this amazing alternative that we have. We can't fix the other. But in Christ's kingdom there's this alternate way. And it's radical, it's extreme. It's, it involves the way we think, the way we talk to each other involves our daily lives. With that in mind, I'd like to just spend the last minutes this morning uh, looking at the passage in Philippians. Now, we don't have time to comment a lot. This is a passage we're very familiar with. But I'd like us to read it with the angle of looking at it in terms of our king. The king who's given us this amazing kingdom. This king that you are related to. To be his sons. So we'll just read this through together and focus on our king. Philippians chapter 2, starting verse 1. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent in one purpose. So here's a reminder, brothers and sisters, you have here. In this kingdom, Christ gives us all those things. There is love, there is fellowship of spirit, there is compassion. But what does Paul do right away? He says, live it. He says, have this same mind. Be like your king. He's given you all this. 
Verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. Instead of manipulating others, we are giving. And that verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. And we know this verse is so important to us. Who, all, all, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we just watched watch Jesus in front of Pilate. Completely on the verge of death. And yet he's still the king. He was in charge. So what does God do? For this reason also Jesus highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven or on earth or under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then Paul does what he does so often in his letters. He says, Since Christ is who he is and has given us so much, now do. So then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work His good pleasure. You know, when we read this, this phrase, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, often that gets misread. It said, oh, it means my salvation is at stake and I have to work it out. That's not what this means at all. Our salvation with God is, is sure. What he's saying is work it out. God has given you this salvation. Work it all out. We want it to flourish. We want it to be what it's supposed to be. This is fear and trembling, I suggest to you. This is the fear and trembling that comes from not wanting to miss an opportunity. God has given us so much. Are we going to live it out? We will regret it. 
later, when we, if we don't, there will be suffering. We can fear that. But our fear and trembling should be, are we going to miss this chance to live this life now? Am I living to please my king now? Ten years from now, I'm going to look back and say, you know, I've wasted ten more years. And all I did was go along with the kingdom of this world. Try to gain and seize control. With, with sin. No. We want to work out our salvation. Now. And, and with this amazing phrase that follows. This is our wonderful king and his kingdom. For it is God who is at work in you. Both to will and to work. Everything is from him. He didn't just forgive us, he gave us his life. He didn't say, here's, here's my perfect standard, now fail the whole, your whole life. He said, here, I'll give you a life and now you can obey. Christ in you can please me. He's the one working in us. That's the opportunity we have. That's why we should have fear and trembling. Because he's offering all of this to us. And are we missing it? Is it just a Sunday thing? Or a conference thing? Are you living for your king every day? That's what he wants. For his good pleasure. Boil it down. Each day are we living for the king's pleasure. It's pretty simple to see it that way. In uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.9 he phrased it. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. So, verse back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. So, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. Uh, 
And so there, there we can finish up because there it speaks of if we are related to our king and pleasing him then we are the testimony of Christ. We are a light in this dark world which is getting darker. And that's our place. Individually and together to be that light. Not to be like the kingdoms of this earth, but to reflect Christ's kingdom. So may that be on our heart this week that we be pleasing to our king. And may his kingdom be manifest, be real in our daily lives. In our life together. So we'll close this time with a, with a few prayers. <coughs>
Jesus, we pray. 